Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from Matthew, the fifth chapter. You've heard it was said to your ancestors, never murder. You've heard that it was said, never commit adultery. And you've heard that it was said to your ancestors, never break your oath. Dear friends of Christ, the Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking about this for three weeks, and it started out with all good news. How God loves us. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Now we find out how poor in spirit we really are, right? How much we desperately need Jesus. Today, Jesus unleashes his law, his rules, in all of its fury. He doesn't hold back punches. This is God's sermon on God's laws. And we need to understand, the laws are good. We can't keep them, but the rules of God are good. The rules of God are right. The rules of God are holy. If we keep them, there are blessings among us as a society, among us as a people. As soon as these rules leave our society, society crumbles. Families crumble. Churches crumble. God's laws are right. The Ten Commandments aren't the problem. The problem is we don't like keeping them. And we can't keep them. These rules hurt. They wound us. They hurt our spirit. They bite. And people don't like to get hurt, especially by God. Now, people are willing to love God and receive God as long as he's a faithful puppy, kind of like a, a golden retriever. Now, sure, golden retrievers have teeth and they have claws, but that golden retriever is not going to bite you. That golden retriever is not going to hurt you. He, he's not going to harm you. A golden retriever? They're not dangerous. However, here's a, morning, here's a problem this morning. Jesus doesn't unleash a golden retriever. Jesus unleashes a Doberman. Think a fearsome, fanged, snarling beast who, ch- ch- who chases you down tackles you from behind, and then chews your arm off. The law of God is like a Doberman. It chases you down, it tackles you, it accuses you, it condemns you, it uncovers your corruption, it trumpets your transgressions. The law can never save you, but it can tackle you. And the law will always show you how much your soul needs to be saved. How broken you are. But why the Doberman behavior? Because God loves us. God sent His Son Jesus, and we'll never turn to Jesus unless we seal, unless we clearly see that we need Him. And when the Doberman knocks us down, we say, Jesus, Jesus, help me. And so the law turns us to Jesus who can wash away our sin. That's the good news. But ultimately, Jesus unleashes his law to show you your sins so you might see a Savior. And so our theme for this morning, the law and the cure. You know, in our section here of Jesus' sermon, again, this is his sermon, he introduces each new theme in each section with this way. 
You have heard that it was said in the past, but I say to you. This is the way they interpreted the rules in the past, but this is the way God wants you to interpret them. Okay? Um, and with those words, Jesus unleashes the Doberman. The Doberman's in control. The Doberman is calling the shots. And here Jesus gives us God's law based on his own authority. Jesus is the Doberman. He's the one with the authority to speak. He's the one giving us the law here. He's the Lord. He's God. It's his law. And this is how he applies it. And he not only admonishes our actions, he condemns our behavior. Jesus starts with the fifth commandment. You shall not murder. And of course, immediately we can say, well, we've kept that one. Feel pretty good about that one, right? Feel pretty good about that. I, I haven't killed anybody recently. Well, good for you. You're, you must be a really good person. You haven't shed any blood today. Not according to God's standard. Jesus gives us his holy and perfect standard. He says, but, you've heard it said, but, I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Anger is murder in the heart. Have you ever been angry? Jesus says we murder people every time we use violent language or vindictive language, angry language, unbridled anger, bitter insults, harsh words. They always have, they're always spoken with purposeful intent. We speak those words to hurt somebody. So much of those harmful words come out of our mouths so easy. They come from children to parents. They come from parents and children. We, we type them in our texts. Hurtful words. Don't even think about it. We shoot them off in emails. We trumpet them in social media for all to see. That's not good. It's not right. And it's an especially serious matter. Refusing to reconcile, separating and dividing with our words is especially offensive to God. Simply said, God has reconciled you through the blood of His Son. And if we refuse to reconcile with each other, how can faith live in our hearts? You want to be forgiven, but you're not willing to forgive? Jesus has a whole lot to say about that. Not good. It's not right. And the Bible is clear. You cannot love God and hate your brother. 1 John. You cannot engage in hatred against somebody and think it's no big deal. If anger is your idol and you worship anger, that bitterness, that resentment, getting even, if getting even is your God, and you see getting even is something that is honorable, if bitterness hems you in, then repent of your idolatry. And yes, your murder, the murder in your heart. Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled. Something need to be reconciled at home? 
A reconciliation between a husband and wife? A reconciliation between parents and children? A reconciliation between friends? It's the gift of forgiveness. Jesus has forgiven you so that you can forgive someone else. It's the desire to lay aside the right to get even and to bring two people who are separated back together again, just like Jesus Christ did for you. Brought you back together with God, reconciled you. God always desires reconciliation. Matter of fact, God not only desires reconciliation, God demands it. Be reconciled. Jesus knows how much we hurt each other. He knows knows we hurt each other with our words. He knows our hearts. The words that are said between husband and wife and children and parents. But Jesus loves you. He forgives you. And Jesus reconciles you back to him. And by his forgiving love, so that you might now have the power to forgive each other. I can forgive you because Jesus forgave me. I don't want to forgive you, but I have the power to forgive you. Because Jesus forgave me. And failing to forgive is an offense to God. Consider Jesus. Words were hurled at him, right? He, as he died on the cross, they called him a child of the devil. Beelzebub. And how did he handle all that? You know, they hated Jesus. They said bitter things against him. They mocked him. They spat upon him. They flogged him. They beat him. And how did Jesus respond to all that? They didn't honor him as God. And Jesus turned the other cheek. He bore their bitter insults. Said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he died to set them all free. Did he retaliate? Did he get even? Did he lash out with anger? He should have. But no, Jesus patiently and lovingly endured their hatred. He submitted himself to do what was right, submitted himself to God's rules, submitted himself to God's ways and to God's will, and he kept the fifth commandment. He reconciled to those who murdered him, not only with their hatred, but with their actions. Father, forgive them. The violence of the cross is payment for your sin. It's a cure. There's a price to be paid for reconciliation. Reconciliation always comes at a price. And Jesus paid that price to reconcile you with God your Father. That's how much He loves you. He did that so sinners like us could be received, adopted into His family, become members of God, members of the family, reconciled back to God. And Jesus is your Savior, and you know what? You need Him. You desperately need Jesus to be forgiven. Your sin's forgiven, so you have the power to forgive others. From the fifth commandment, Jesus moves to the sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Again, keeping this commandment doesn't sound so difficult. I've been faithful to my wife. I'm going to go to heaven. And Jesus says, but I say to you, which means, of course, there's more to this commandment than just being faithful. 
Jesus says, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus moves from the act of adultery to the intent of the heart. Has your eye ever strayed? God's standards are different. God's standards are different. We commit adultery with our eyes, with our minds, with our hearts, with what we watch on TV and in our, in our cell phones and our devices. A lustful look, it always dishonors marriage. A lustful look, it always dishonors your spouse. And a lustful look always dishonors God. It hurts God, it hurts others, and it hurts you. And it's immoral. And it's not right. And that lustful intent has the power to destroy faith too. The numbers, look at the statistics they're telling. 18% of men, only 18% admit they have a problem with pornography. Only 18. However, 91% of men participate in it. And yet, if you ask guys, you have a problem with it? No, not me. That's just denial. 30% of them say they view it on a daily basis. 60% of them do it on a weekly basis. A problem, a spiritual problem? I'd say so. And surprisingly, 60% of women participate in it too. That number surprised me. 37% of women on a weekly basis. Closely tied to the sin of the Sixth Commandment is the topic of divorce. Divorce, and, and Jesus doesn't miss this opportunity to talk about how divorce is always wrong because divorce separates. Divorce isn't reconciliation. And I know we have people in our congregation that are divorced, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about the sin. It separates what God has joined together, right? And even when one spouse has been unfaithful, and the other spouse is then allowed or even permitted to get a divorce, even then, God says, that's not his desire. God's desire is always reconciliation. Every time, 100% of the time. Christ has reconciled you to God. And Jesus Christ now, because you're reconciled, lives in you bodily and spiritually and physically. Christ, you are his temple. Jesus purchased your body with his blood so that your body could be his dwelling place. You are the body of Christ, the church, he the head. And with this dwelling place of the Lord, we use this dwelling place for sexual sins. We dishonor God with our bodies. We dishonor His presence in us. And that's not good. It's not right. Christ redeemed our bodies so that these bodies might glorify God, be a reflection of God. And He leads us to follow Him, to honor God with pure hearts and pure minds and pure bodies in everything we think, say, and do. Now, it's evident that not everything we do is pure. We've all gone astray. So you know what we need? Yep, we need a Savior. What's the cure for sin? What's the only cure for this terminal illness? What's the only cure for this curse of eternal death? 
And Jesus is pointing all to himself. He says, follow me. I'm the reconciler. I've got this problem of sin and sickness figured out. So are you divorced? There's forgiveness. There's always forgiveness. Jesus loves you and he wins you back to reconcile you with the Father. Come to him. He wants you to come. He wants you to follow in his ways. Yet scripture is clear in Malachi 2.16. God simply says and bluntly says, I hate divorce. We commit adultery with God and we fail to put him first in all things. James wrote, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is hatred with God? You love the world more than you love me. You love your own pleasures more than you love me. You love your own ways more than you love me. You love your own things more than you love me. However, when you are unfaithful to Him, He is never unfaithful to you. Paul writes, if we are unfaithful, Christ remains faithful because He cannot be untrue to Himself. You see, we're His bride. We're His body. We're the church. And He's the groom. That we might be reconciled to Him. Brought back together. Married. He died because He loves us. He desires us. And He rose so that we might love Him and serve Him with our bodies. The final topic Jesus takes up today is swearing and oath-taking. Not going to spend a lot of time on it. Except to say, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Simply said, God means what he says and says what he means. If he says the law, he means it. If he says the gospel, he means it. Keep your promises. Let integrity be your, your, your policy. Integrity, it's what you do when nobody's watching. Have integrity. We will have so much to learn from God. If he means what he says, he speaks the law, he means it, speaks the gospel, he means it. He tells you the truth. His word is truth, whether you want to hear it or not. And, and why does Jesus do that? Why does Jesus tell it like it is? Because we are by nature sinful and unclean. And because he is the one who reconciles sinners to, to, to the Heavenly Father. Because of what we have done. And because of what we've left undone. We have not loved God above all things. So we've broken the first three commandments and we've not loved the, our neighbors ourselves. Broken all the other seven. And God says yes to you. And yet he says yes to me. As the baptism waters flow freely. He adopted you into his family. And the cross of Jesus tells the ultimate truth about us. That is the price that had to be paid. And he paid it to reconcile you. Yes, the law is a Doberman. It snarls and it growls, yes. But this is God's reconciliatory act of love. 
He reconciles sinners through Jesus. The blood paid the price, so know this. Though sinful, God loves you. And God says yes to you. He says yes to you in your baptism. And it comes with a forgiveness in his body and blood. And when God says yes, he means yes. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.